Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I want to know and understand how on earth you decide where to go. I know that sounds like a really basic question, but how do you decide on a location? Do you identify a subject that you want to photograph and then you go there? Or do you choose a location because it might have a cross-section of those animals? So you should come and work for us because we need people of your brains and ability. Oh, really? to, yeah. <laughs> That's should. a pretty basic question. Uh, no. But there's, there's two screens. The first screen is uh, authenticity. Uh, we're not going to do particularly well to go and photograph the Eiffel Tower tomorrow. We know it's there. Or the Leaning Tower, please. Um, or Rome, the Colosseum at Rome. We all know it's there. And you can extend that parable further. You can, you, can, you can go all around the world and say, these places have been way over-photographed. So to be authentic is the first filter. So the first thing we think about is, has it been done before and has it been done well before? And in 95% of the time, the answer is, it has been done before. And in most cases, somewhere along the line, it's been done well. But you're still going to get some through. Uh, and the second filter is a pragmatic one, which is commerciality. We have an um, um, expression here called Komodogate. And Komodogate, basically, what, what, what it's in, uh, alluding to is the idea that we've looked into pictures of the big Komodo dragon in Indonesia. Uh, and they live on three islands, one of which is called Komodo. But the best ones are in a place called Rinka, which is about a kilometer away. And we feel that if we went there with, our, with a good team, with the best people on the ground, we could get a picture that doesn't transcend all others, because that would be incredibly arrogant to say that, but a picture that we think might be strong, immersive, intimate, captures these enormous lizards in their natural habitat uh, in a way that maybe elicit some sort of reaction in people. So it would pass the authenticity test or originality test. The problem is I think it would fail the commerciality test because who wants a, blo- a bloody giant lizard on their wall? Who's going to want to part with the same amount of money as a small car to have a, a lizard with sort of drool coming out of its mouth coming towards you? And the answer is probably very, very few people. So which is why we call it Komodo Gate because a lot of our ideas path, pass on authenticity and originality, but they don't pass on commerciality. So we all the time, just like so many people, like what your friends would do on a Monday morning, 
we throw ideas around. And wherever I am in the world, we will have a Monday morning meeting. Because I'm quite often in the West Coast of America, those Monday morning meetings tend to be at five o'clock in the afternoon. And we'll just, it's uh, idea generation enfranchises everyone from a 10-year-old up to a 90-year-old. In fact, it's the young people that quite often got the best ideas because they're more in touch with contemporary society. Um, and most of the ideas I dismiss. And then occasionally we'll just go and go, that's a great idea. So, for instance, tomorrow I go to Los Angeles and we are recreating stills from The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, is it original? Well, it's not necessarily totally original because the film's out and, there's, and now there's immersive theatre out about it and whatever. But I think where we do have a bit of originality is Jordan Belford, who is the wolf, is collaborating with us. I'm seeing him for dinner tomorrow night, Thursday night. And we've got dealing rooms, we've got ticker screens, we've got all, and we're bringing wolves. So rather than having DiCaprio as the wolf, we'll have real wolves as the wolf of Wall Street. And we'll then, everything else, we'll just see what happens. And we've got a whole host of girls trying to play Margot Robbie, which will be quite fun. <laughs> for you, yeah. <laughs> for my team, not for yeah, me. Yeah, Too much sure. pressure for sure, me. Sure, sure, sure. And uh, we'll just see what happens. Uh, so I think that certainly if we get that right, has commerciality. Mm. Uh, uh, and if we get it wrong, it's expensive. And but it always had authenticity because I haven't seen it being done before. Um, because I think we have better relationships with wolves than most people in America. So the, the wolves are coming. And so important to try something different, new, push the boundaries. I am. Um, I have a. Heli- I've. Um, I don't know whether I've got ADD or whether I've got a. Um, I'm paranoid of the mundane. I think if my friends would tell me that I'm probably I'm paranoid of the mundane. I don't do mundane. And as an artist, as an original content, it's funny because everyone associates original content with uh, Hulu and Amazon Prime and Netflix, but we actually are an original content brand. We have to have original content in order to be able to finance the projects that we do. And where we might have found ourselves in a sweet spot is because we're taking it on on our own. If we've got an idea at a time when a lot of editors are clamping down on money they can spend on photographic still content, we can throw money at it. So we don't, we're, we're, we're not scared to spend uh, 250000 on a two-day shoot so long as we've got all the ducks in line. Whereas for just about everyone else that is a bridge too far mm. but we've got to get it right wow that's an incredible place to be isn't it you've created that you've got to that point through sheer determination hard work yeah. and creativity and everything else um, one thing I'm curious about is you talk a lot about needing wanting to elicit an emotional response from a picture how do you know you've got that until somebody steps back and looks at the photo yeah. Uh, it's a good question. It's another good one. Um, I think we we know ninety percent of the time, and the ten percent we get it wrong is probably that we're too tough on ourselves. I think the toughest edit is ourselves, and we sometimes uh, dismiss pictures that other people's engage with. If we think we've got it 
we probably underestimate what it might mean to other people just because we were there at the time and we're slightly used to it. I took a picture six weeks ago um, of the two biggest elephants in the world and uh, I remember even coming back, it was about 7.30 in the morning, and I remember coming back to camp at about midday and looking at the picture on the screen and whatever and then just going and playing cards with the team and totally slightly forgetting that we'd taken that picture because we were we were there and we're used to it and when we uh, when we decided how to price it we all decided how to price it that afternoon again which was probably an error and six weeks later there's none left around the world so we obviously made an error in that afternoon um, because we went too low in the pink is sponsored by bose treat your ears and your senses with the bose noise cancelling 700 series their unrivaled noise cancelling technology means you'll hear and be heard like never before and touch and voice recognition means you're free to keep your head up and you'll never miss a thing. So I think there are times when it works the other way. Um, and a lot depends on the animal. Um, I took a picture in uh, uh, the most northerly town in the world, which is a place called Pyramid. It's about uh, 80 degrees north. It's a Russian mining town. And there's only about 10 people live there. It's abandoned. And uh, Sounds bleak. It's, yeah, it's, it's cold and bleak. Uh, and if you're going to be photographing the most northerly town <laughs> in the world, uh, what do you want in front of it? You, you want a polar bear. And when, the po- when I got a polar bear in front of it, with shafts of light coming through the late afternoon cloud, it had a Game of Thrones feel to it. And I was so excited that night that I got the picture. But it was maybe partly because I was in such a remote place, which is normally empty of content. And I, I, I had no radio contact with my team. We were outside radio contact. There was no way of getting hold of anyone. And when I got back to the place where we could call people, I said to, I said to my team, I've got a great picture. Um, and since then, we haven't sold one copy of that picture. And so it works the other way. And I think part of that reason is sometimes when you are in an extreme place, you want to, you clutch onto straws. You want to say, I've, got, I've managed yeah. to garner something from this. But it doesn't resonate with other people because other people, unless, yeah, unless they're a Game of Throners and they imagine sort of life north of the wall or whatever, yeah. it just didn't strike a chord. So we get it wrong sometimes, but mostly we get it wrong the other way. Mm, which um, is the good way around to get it yeah, wrong I, I guess I guess but I, I notice you talk about they we um, in the plural but ultimately this comes down to you doesn't it um, I mean there's probably your modesty preventing you from just talking about yourself but uh, this has got to be your decision surely and in, in that moment you know a, your gut instinct tells you if, you, think, if you've I, captured I, a moment I think, I think there's uh, in the whole business there's a lot of people but in terms of the garnering of original content, uh, there is me, but then there are people that are, we work with in the field that are critically important to us. And we, we think we work with the best people. And those people are local to wherever we go. So if we're trying to photograph orangutans in the middle of a jungle in Borneo, 
we're obviously going to use different people to photographing polar bears mm. in, the, in, in the North Slope of Alaska and they will be best in class and they will be people that we incentivize. We've kind of tried to change things in terms of how people in the field are paid. If you pay people in the field a day rate, like everyone else, that's fine, but I don't think you harbor any sense of partnership. Mm. So what They might not go above and beyond. Yeah, it's, mm. it, to me it's a bit like going into um, a, a den of ill repute in the old days in the Wild West. You go and do what you have to do and then you leave, and mm. it's very cursory and perfunctory. Whereas what, what we want to do is harbor a sense of partnership. And that means that whoever we work with in the field, whenever we sell a picture where they have been involved with, they continue to get paid. Which means that someone in Kenya or oh, someone cool. in Borneo or an Inuit mm. cannot just earn $500. Because $500 is fantastic in, in the community they might live in but it's not going to change things but if you can turn around and say if you really really want to help us we can pay $25,000 uh, then that does make a difference mm. and I, we do feel that it means that they'll go the extra mile for us mm. uh, whether that's getting up at 3 in the morning whether it's um, just not, not breaking rules but going the extra mile mm. And the extra mile doesn't tend to be too crowded, we find out. That, well, yeah, that tells you a lot about those people that you work with. How, how do you strike that balance between the controlled environment and the wild? And how much is that sort of fraught with jeopardy and danger? And do you get a kick off that? There's like four questions in there, sorry. Yeah, so I do... Um, but how do, you, how do you decide what's appropriate? So when we work with wild animals, it's always, they're always wild, um, we just know the rules, we know their behavior, um, whether it be polar bears or tigers or lion, elephant. It's actually the animals that people don't suspect that are the most scary, <laughs> like crocodiles and snakes. Or oh, like humans. I, or humans. <laughs> I had a dream last night and I screamed in the middle of the, jumped out of my bed and charged around because I thought I was being attacked by a snake. Snakes, snakes and crocodiles I get most scared about. Um, when we do controlled shots, and by controlled shots, they tend to be staged stuff with animals that are um, habituated, that they can live with humans um, or not bite humans. But they'll always have a, a trainer or a wrangler with them. In those circumstances, like with the Wolf of Wall Street, those are, those are not going to be wild wolves no. that we've just you know, picked up from Montana. They will, be, they will live in a sanctuary. They'll still, if they see a rabbit, they'll go for the rabbit. But... They, they won't bite some, which is quite useful because some of the girls that we've worked with with wolves are very expensive and we wouldn't want a lawsuit for a bite on Cindy Crawford's ear. Um, but uh, If I was a wolf, I wouldn't go for her ear, just so you know. No, she, that's probably right. Me neither. The, uh, I think um, it puts more pressure on the photographer because if the animals are, to an extent, under your control, the only person that can mess it up is the photographer. And uh, uh, that puts a bit of extra, like this shoot in LA, the person that uh, basically, if we don't get it right, the person that will be blamed is me. Whereas in the wild, um, if things don't work out, it is the nature of the game, that is nature. And quite often we come back from the wild uh, with nothing. In the Pink is sponsored by Tag Heuer. 
Swiss avant-garde since 1860. Excellence, precision and elegance. Their timepieces are designed for those who love challenges. Make sure you run like clockwork and never miss a thing. It's like a big game fisherman. It's a Hemingway story that the old man in the sea, you, you do come back quite often with nothing. But that is, that is entirely consistent with having occasionally differential content because if all the time you succeeded, something's wrong. Mm. That, that you should, there should be periods where you just and say... there'll be more people doing it. Exactly. Mm. So um, and, and our rule of the thumb is a failed trip in the wild is because we take a, t- a, f- a film crew most of the time. So a failed trip is 50 grand. So if we, if we do a trip somewhere and we don't get something, that's 50 grand. Mm. And, and that's, that's good. It's well, good. It's a chunk of cash though, isn't it's it? It's a chunk in it. But it focuses the mind. Um, the difference between us and Netflix, dare I say it, albeit they're 10 billion times <laughs> our size, is that when Netflix um, produces a series like The Crown, which, as we know, is 8 million an episode, they will amortise the cost of that programming through the potential life of the series. So if they think The Crown is going to be is, is six years' worth of subscription, they will amortise that cost over the six years. If we um, have a failed trip or a successful trip, it goes through the P&L that day. And that really focuses the mind in terms of are we doing the right thing. And I, I guess if we have too many failed trips, and we go through... I had two failed trips in a row this summer. So, so how, how often are we talking, though, in, in a year, for example? We'll how do, many trips would you do and how many would we'll be about, we'll about 18, 18 assignments a year. Yeah, and how many of those wouldn't work? I would say six, wow. five, five. And how, how does that leave you feeling? Um, well, on the way back, you just look at trips that have succeeded. Yeah. You go through, it's like a senior shrink. You go and you say, <laughs> well, we messed up this time, but look what I got three yeah, years ago. Absolutely. It's always the sign with all of us. When we're at the airport on the way back from not getting anything um, other than having a drink, we probably look at things that have gone well. And we remind ourselves that it's not that easy. That failure, success is 99% failure. I'm convinced of the fact that it's through failing you learn to succeed. Mm. Because you never want to make the same, same mistake twice. Um, you learn. Even if the elements, the odds have been against you, you think, well, I'm not going to do that that time. And so there is an iterative relationship between failure and success. Mm. I mean. We touched on loneliness uh, in your previous life. Mm. Uh, do you ever get lonely when you're out on these shoots in the middle of nowhere? Because I'll tell you one thing that I found from, from travelling a lot with work, um, and this is, this is more so before I had kids, was that you went to some, I went to some incredible places and I felt a real emptiness in that moment because I really wanted to share that with somebody that I really loved. And I wondered, you must have seen some beautiful things, some beautiful moments and sunsets, you know. If you're not sharing that with someone you love, do you come back keen to return and have a more kind of emotionally enriched experience? Uh, the short answer to that, of course, is yes. Um, but you make up. And my son is 16 now, uh, my daughter's 19, and, but my son is doing a lot of photography and he comes on trips. And the joy I get from him s- saying things like, that was the most awesome day of my life and thank oh. you so much. So 
it's it's payback time. Yeah, there's been North Korea. I've spent time in North Korea. Spent time in Mongolia on my own. North Korea on your own for ten days is quite tough. Um, and um, I there are trips, there are assignments that uh, my team don't like the extreme cold. They prefer the heat and the jungle. Whereas I don't like the jungle. But sometimes because of the snakes, the snakes and the, everything bites you. Every, just everything bites you. Yeah. Um, and you can't it can't cool down and if you want to go for a swim there are things that eat you in the water and stuff yeah and i I, 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 i'm all for the four seasons not all the time (laughs) but whenever whenever i come back from the jungle i just say take me to the four seasons (laughs) planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 